All right, welcome to another episode of Powerhouse Conversations. I'm your host, Fred Underwood, and we are back with another episode. Uh, Powerhouse Conversation has powerful discussions around digital transformation of sports brands. We bring on professionals within the sports industry to have conversations about how you can help uh, grow your brand. Um, today we have a special episode and we're going we're going to um we're going to have a special episode dealing with the legal aspect. I know we haven't had one yet, so I've been I've been um in really wanting to have one to uh bring someone on to to talk about some of the things that aren't being talked about um in these NIL conversations and is is definitely needed. So we have Cassandra here today. Uh your S, the Esquire coach. Uh I thank you for coming on and um you know tell, tell uh, how's your day going? Hi, um, thank you for um, having me. I'm excited to be here today to have this conversation. Um, you know, I'm in a sports and entertainment attorney in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Um, I work with artists, athletes, and, uh, and entertainers on um, protecting their brand. Um, one thing that we'll get into, I, I specifically work with them on how to apply for federal trademark registration. So we'll get into how that applies in the NIL context. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, th thanks again for coming on. Uh, so let's start with how did you get into the NIL space? Like how, how did you, how did, what made you want to uh, go into that? So when I was um, in law school, I wrote a paper on advocating for college athletes, right? Specifically that they'd be allowed to finally, I guess, quote, get, get paid, right? That's everybody mm -hmm. knows pay, pay for play, right. but it's much bigger than that. Right. You know, advocated for them to just be able to have a more equitable piece of the pie. You know, mm -hmm. college sports is a billion dollar industry while athletes were, you know, relegated to a scholarship. And while that is valuable, it still did not quite match up with the value that they were providing to everybody else. Excuse me. <clears throat> when coaches have million dollar salaries and we have billion dollar television broadcasting deals, you know, to limit athletes to a scholarship um, was, in my view, a little un unfair, you know. Right. Um, again, that to say that scholarships aren't valuable because they are, but to say that they can't even at least make money off of their own name and face was is is really was was really just un unfair. So I, I wrote that paper and I just stayed in 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 the space. And I got an opportunity to start doing sports writing, and my focus was on the business of college sports and name, image, and likeness. So this is all around like 20, 2018, where it wasn't as popular as it is now, right? Right, where, right. You know the. The topic was, you know, starting to get some steam, and I was always on the player advocacy side. In the meantime, the Alston case um, happened, so I, I wrote about that, which, you know, isn't NIL specifically, but it still was a case that brought in the rights of college college athletes and what they're able to receive from the schools. And, you know, so initially a lot of my work was just write, writing on the topic and, okay. and advocating for college athletes' rights. Okay. And so tell me about your, tell me about your law office. Is, uh, is, is, is that, uh, you know, specifically athletes? I know you mentioned entertainers, uh, but how? Yeah. So it creatives, um, okay. entertainers and, you know, people who fall into that space. So basically I assist my, my clients with, um, federal trademark registrations, cop copyright registrations and help, you know, with some contract drafting and just pointing them in the right direction for how to run their businesses. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that, and that leads me to uh, so for people who don't know, what is uh, IP? What is, what is intellectual property and how, how would you explain it to an athlete? So intellectual property is kind of just like it sounds right. It's like the property that comes from your mind. Um, so the most the best way to explain it is to give give an example. 
right? We all know Nike. When, when we see that swoosh, we, we know that that's a Nike product. We know the brand. So that is a trademark, right? So when we see that swoosh, we automatically know, okay, this is a Nike product. Um, right, right, right now, a lot of the things that we're using, you know, microphone, your iPhone, all of those things contain patents. That's another type of intellectual property. Mm-hmm. And then another type, which we won't really get into too, too much, um, it's called a, a trade secret. And the most common example of that is Coca-Cola formula. And then lastly, we have copyright, right? So we have copyright in music, books, film, um, this this podcast episode, you have copyright protection in that. Um, you know, wow, these are all forms of intellectual property. The way that you protect them, you know, has varying degrees. So the steps should be to take to ensure that you are protecting your intellectual property. Gotcha. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. And I think that that's something that uh, the athletes, especially young athletes, uh, you know, they need to learn about. They need to know about because they are their intellectual property needs to be protected. And I think they are there's a lot of, you know, companies and businesses that are coming around and they're 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 taking advantage of of athletes because they don't understand, you know, what they need to protect. So they're getting in there, they're signing these deals and they're not really understanding, um, you know, the what uh what they're signing away absolutely i think the two most applicable for athletes at this point would be trademark and copyright yep um so trademark is applicable to athletes one because say say you have a a, a nickname something that you go by Mm -hmm. um for i'm just throw it throw it back a little bit right and go back to the days when johnny manziel was playing and he had johnny football yeah. Right. So let's say that he was in this time where you could do NIL deals like that's something that he may want to apply for federal protection for because he can build a brand around that, start selling merchandise and things of that nature. So he would be the perfect candidate to um a- apply for federal trademark protection right. for for that. Then if he gets a logo made, mm-hmm. um, you can get federal trademark protection for that. Like we were talking about the um, Nike swoosh. Mm-hmm. Um but then the other um, realm of intellectual property that I think is applicable to college athletes is copyright. So mm-hmm. let's go back to the logo, right? So there's two types of protection you can get for your logo. Um, you have copyright protection and trademark protection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to kind of briefly explain the difference in obtaining copyright protection and trademark protection. So when you are seeking Trademark protection, you have to apply with the United States Patent and Trademark Office and go through the whole application process. And um, your application has to be approved before you are given federal trademark protection. Um, But for copyright, as soon as um, a work is created, right, in the legal term, it's like an original work of authorship, right, that's fixed in the tangible medium of expression. Okay, what does that mean? As soon as a work is created, so we're going to keep it on logos, as soon as a logo artist creates a logo and puts it on paper where another person can see it, the the artist has copyright protection in that. They don't have to register with the U.S. Copyright Office in order to have protection. They get it as soon as it is created. Mm-hmm. Now, notice that I said that the artist has copyright protection. So yeah. if you, the athlete, are not the artist who drew right. it, you right. do not own the copyright. You have to take other steps in order to own the copyright. And those include that you have to um, either have it made with a copyright assignment where the artist who made the logo for you will assign all copyright rights over to you as an artist, or you get the artist to do it as a work made for hire, in which case the um, artist will have, quote, me your employee, meaning that mm-hmm. because they're your employee, then you will have always owned own the copyright protection. But those um, two things, however you decide to do it, 
needs to be in in writing. <laughs> I was just about to say, so like you you need to uh, have a contract, uh, like you know, yes. anytime that you're getting any of this work done um, as an athlete, you need to have some type of contract um, uh, that you know protects you that you can keep that that uh you know that that art that you <laughs> that you got done logo whatever it may be um you need to make sure that you're you're uh getting the proper paperwork that that protects you yeah yeah because i could see i could see a world where uh, all these uh these athletes are you know they're they're in college now and they're they get get something done and then they wait wait till they wait till they get to uh to to the nfl the nba or something like that and then the artist comes back and like oh that, i own that so i need you to pay me it's kind of you know if you think about Ka- Kawhi Leonard with the uh, mm-hmm. claw, right? Mm-hmm. He thought that he owned the claw, but Nike ended up saying, "Like, no, we own the claw," and Nike and, and, and Nike won. Mm-hmm. You know, they ended up on, owning it. So that's definitely something that you need to look out for in, in your contracts. Whether you know, even if your school is assisting you with making that logo, All right. you need to make sure. You know, how, however that happens, whoever assists you, that you are the owner of it. Gotcha. So, so when uh, Kawhi left uh, Nike to go to uh, New Balance, right? I think it was New Balance, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's when that happened. He 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 thought yeah, he, he tried to take that logo over to to them, and and Nike owned it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so, so that's definitely that's definitely something that people need to watch out for 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 sure for sure. Uh, so, what are some of the uh, the other examples of how um, NIL athletes can you know trademark copyright? Because I know a lot of these kids are you know starting podcasts, YouTube channels things of that nature. What are some of the other opportunities for them um, that are out there, but they ne- they need to make sure that they're, they're trademarking or, co- or copyright. So, yeah, if you do have a podcast or, um, you know, some, some type of medium like this, you, like I said, once you, once the episode is created, let's just keep it on podcast. You do have copyright protection. And I mm-hmm. said that you don't have to necessarily apply with the copyright office in order to have copyright protection, but there are mm-hmm. benefits to applying with the copyright office. Let's say you find yourself in a copyright infringement situation where you need to bring a case. So the sooner you register with the copyright office, the more damages you may be entitled to if, if you should win. And then, you know, yeah. also by registering, you're putting people on notice that you are the owner of this copyrighted material. So there, there are other benefits to registering as well. So, you know, it's definitely, you know, something that you should consider um, do, doing. Gotcha. So, so as a podcast, uh, so as a podcast, uh, you know, owner or whatever, anytime you you record the podcast, you still you you do you have to file that or do you own it because you recorded that that podcast? So there are benefits to filing it, but like mm-hmm. I said, copyright protection attaches as soon as the work is created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But unlike trademark protection, that does not attach <laughs> um, as soon as you create your business name. Right. So there are steps that you would even want to take. So let's let's just keep going with um Nike. So once once you come up with the brand Nike, like oh I I, I like this name. I I, w- I want to use this mm-hmm. for um selling selling t-shirts, right? So what what you're gonna want to do before you do that is something called a trademark search, or right. you have have an, have an attorney who works in intellectual property um do this for you. And mm-hmm. that's going to, um, you're going to search not only the USPTO's website, but you're going to mm-hmm. want to do a, a, just a Google search to see mm-hmm. who may be using it on Google, social media, mm-hmm. um, and in different, and all of the state databases, you're going to want to make sure you check everything because the last thing that you want to do is spend time building a brand around mm-hmm. something that isn't available. Right. You know, so 
the first thing you want to do really is make sure that your, your name is available. Right. So if you do the search and you find out that your name is available, if you are already using the, um, the, the name that you have, then you can go ahead and apply with the USPTO for what's called a use application. Okay. Why does that matter? In order to be given tra- federal trademark protection, you have to use the, um, the, the, the trademark in interstate commerce. That basically means that you have to use it across state lines. Gotcha. And, but if you are, you know, have, have a name or something that you haven't already begun to use it, um, Paige, um, Bilkers, I think the site's her last name. She played for um Connecticut. Yep. She yep. um did this right when NIO started. She um a, a applied for I can't remember the name of the uh, trademark that she was applying for, but I remember she did a what's called an intent to use application mm-hmm. um for the trademark that, that she wanted because she mm-hmm. had not yet started using it, but she didn't want you know somebody else to to, to get it. Right. So she filed what's called an intent to use application, and basically that allows you to kind of put a placeholder on the trademark that you want and give you time to start using it. Why gotcha. is that important? Right. Let's remember the um Redskins at the time when they were changing their name. And and this guy like went and filed trademark applications for all the possible names, mm-hmm. you know, which made it kind of hard for for them to find a name. And they ended up spending some time as a Washington football team. So right. that's that's kind of that's the benefit of filing an intent to use application is it gives you time to um get started. Gotcha. Uh, I want to um dive a little deeper into the steps to to getting a trademark. I want to um you know for people that are are watching and listening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is the cost and the time frame associated with um, getting that uh, accomplished? So the cost right right off the bat from the even if you don't hire an attorney, right? The United States Patent and Trademark Office fee goes from I think it's two seventy five to three seventy five, depending on what type of application you um you um use. So and that's per class of goods and services. So the USPTO divide things up into class of goods and services. So yeah. if you are selling T-shirts, right, mm-hmm. that's that's one class of goods and services. Mm-hmm. Um, then if you are, well, that's one class of goods. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that you're providing some kind of edu- educational service, then that's a right. service. So you will have that fee twice because you are applying. Because you need, to, you, need to, uh, you need to make sure that you are having that trademark for Two, two or whatever, how many ever it is, uh, separate things. Because if if you go and only uh, apply for goods, but somebody else is doing consulting and they want to use the same name, they can trademark that under that same name. Is that correct? Right, right. Okay. Because because so when when the USPTO looks at applications, they look to see if there's a likelihood of confusion. So because basically trademarks kind of protect the consumer because it's the consumer being able to look at what what they're buying and know that that's that that's that company's product. Like you know, you you know when you see a Nike check that that's that company's product. Gotcha. You know when you see three lines that that's Adidas. You know, so that's that that's the aim of trademark is the consumer being able to know what where they're getting. So um you you have to make sure that you apply for it and get the protection in the in, for for each category of um use that applies to your business gotcha gotcha and so okay so you you, you pay that uh for the search and, and apply uh for each uh no no that's 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 just the fee for the uspto okay. right? if you're doing yeah. a search you know like you, you can do like a, a a google search um you can go to the state databases and you know what you would do is like where you go to say you want to file for llc in a certain state that's mm-hmm. that, that's that's what i'm talking about i know for, for dc it's like the dcra Mm-hmm. Um, 
what website and you will put in the business name that you want and you'll see if anything comes up and you will want to do this for every state um, including the district of columbia but then you know another place a good place to look is so social media sites mm-hmm. and then again checking the uspto what website too but the reason why you can't just check the uspto is because everybody doesn't apply for federal trademark okay. so that doesn't mean that they aren't already using the um, right. trademark and just because they haven't applied doesn't mean that they, you know, couldn't come after your application because if they started using it first and then they decide to go and apply, they see you using it, they can challenge it and say like, hey, you know, we, we were using this first. So, right. um, you know, the search process is pretty intricate, which is why it is been, you know, it may be beneficial to hire an, an attorney for you who, who can do that comprehensive search um, for you. And there are companies that do comprehensive searches and then they, they have their own fees as well. Then if you do hire an attorney, you know, the attorney has their fee as, as well. Gotcha. You know, unless, unless though you are able to find somebody who would um do that service for you um pro pro bono, um and then that's a I know we kind of talked about 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 this um you know before we started the show, but another thing that I would mention is that there were some schools who their um law school clinics was mm-hmm. providing these type of services right and and that is okay and according to the new um clarifications at least as it applies to division one because it came from the division one board schools can provide those services as long as they are available to other students as well so whether or not if your school provides Uh, a service that's something that you'll have to look into gotcha so basically uh they can't just provide it to the athletic department they have to provide it to the entire uh campus as of last week it has to be um that, open that, to that's other definitely other a, uh, well. yeah that's that's a uh you know something a, a decision that that schools have to make because I know they right. they probably were like okay yeah we'll we'll do it uh for the athletic department but now that they have to open up to school wide like that's kind of um um something that they probably have to think about right okay okay no that's definitely that's definitely uh good information um and oh the timeline on the, on the process what's the timeline? Oh, so um. The USPTO is rather backed up, <laughs> so just to kind of, it, it's it's taken over over a year really to mm-hmm. get movement. Like I filed for a, a, a um application last October, and I'm just mm-hmm. now getting some movement on it. Like as of um really October, it took took about a year before gotcha. I heard back from the USPTO on it. Gotcha. Um, the cop- copyright registration isn't taking as long. You're looking at maybe like three three months. Okay, you heard back from that. Okay. And you and you said there is uh I think you said Paige used it as intent to intent to file? Oh yeah. Um it's called an intent to use application. So if you have XYZ name but you're not yet selling your t shirts, but you but you want to keep the name XYZ, uh, still do your due diligence with the trademark search and all and everything because like I said, the last thing you want to do is spend time, money, and resources around building a brand that's not available mm-hmm. because the, the USPTO does not issue refunds. <laughs> so right, you right, want to right. make sure that you know what you're um as you know as 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 much as you can make sure that it's available. And the intent to use a- application allows you to kind of put a placeholder on it um until you actually start using it. But you do have to verify that you do have what they call a bona fide intention to actually use the trademark. You, you can't just squat on it and have no intention in, in using it. Like you have to have an intention to use this trademark for, for, for this class of goods and services. 
Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, so changing pace. I know uh, one of the things that uh, has is, is going around is the uh, high school NILs. Like I know certain states are having, um, you know, different conversations about uh, about, you know, whether high school uh, athletes can utilize NIL. How, what's the parameters about that? What, what can you tell us about that? So it's state specific. Um I know it was at least 18 states, I okay. think, um, and, you know, including the District of Columbia, that have a have a modified their um, rules to allow high school athletes to engage in NIL activities. And really, you're seeing the the, um, high, the state's high school athletic associations is is the entity that are modifying their own rules. I think eventually we'll we'll see it everywhere, you know, because it'll be very much a domino effect, kind of like with the um college rights right where mm -hmm. no no state wanted to be left behind and right. everybody wants to be able to have that competitive advantage so right i think eventually we will see across uh, across the country yeah because i would imagine that that's going to attract uh high school talent and that's something that's going to they're going to want to make sure that they're they're a part of like you said you don't want to be uh you know the state that isn't if everybody else is is uh is you know have uh, allowing uh, kids to capitalize off that that's going to be you know parents are going to look at that and they're going to like okay well why not just move to this state because at this point um a lot of these high school uh athletes they're 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 looking at it from a business standpoint at that at that uh age it's a it's a business decision on what what high school you go to so i think that's definitely i um, mean absolutely like even before you know we had this many states i mean their rules just look at Mikey Williams, who yep. you know attended a prep school. So mm -hmm. because he was in a prep school, he wasn't subject to. I think at, at the time it was North Carolina. He wasn't subject to their ban on high school athletes um, uh, engaging in NIL deals. So he was able to get that deal with a Puma. And okay, so it's only do that. the the uh, only state uh, schools can be governed by that those those uh, those rules. So the um the prep school that he was attending because he was at a prep school he wasn't subject to North Carolina's um that's state high school athletic association rules. Okay, okay, no, that's interesting. Definitely something to think about. Uh, so uh, I do want to because there's a lot of backlash and a lot of uh you know different opinions on NIL in general. What's your thoughts on um the impact that it's having and you know what what are your what are your thoughts? Um, like I said, I advocated for this for athletes for years before it ever happened. So I am perfectly fine with it. I think that it's long overdue mm -hmm. that the athletes are able to finally re receive more of the benefits that their labor bestowed to so many others. Um, you know, I am an advocate for the financial literacy courses and, mm -hmm. you know, any kind of education course that um, is, is available to athletes. I think that, you know, they, they, they do need more resources, mm -hmm. um, you know, more platforms like, like, like this where they can come in and learn a, a little bit um, about what, what what they're up against now because it, it is more of a business now and they have to be more 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 savvy, you know, because right. just like with anything, you know, you're going to have some people who may be a bad actor, but generally overall, I think it's been a good thing. Gotcha. I agree. I agree. And so what do you say to the people that, that have that back that backlash? Like, oh, it's going to mess up locker rooms. Oh, it's going to you know, it's going to, uh, you know, mess up the landscape of, of college football and all these other things. What, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I, I, I think it's just people just trying to nitpick and, find, <laughs> you know, find an issue with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, any is there a potential that it, it could maybe? 
could cause a potential rift in the locker room, maybe, but also maybe, maybe, maybe not. We've seen a lot of um, deals that's been offered to an offensive line or offered to the entire team and, you know, even individual players sharing mm-hmm. their stuff with, with, with their team members, right, which right. I think has the opposite effect, right? It right. builds more camaraderie because right. now you want to do well, right. you know, for right. more than one reason. Right. Yeah. We saw CJ Stroud, uh, give, you know, give, uh, stuff to his entire team. I think, uh, Bryce Young did the same thing. Like, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, when he, the, the, especially if a QB is getting it, like they're, they're going to spread the love to the rest of the team because, you know, like you said, build to build, it's a, it's a way to build, build team camaraderie. So I think that's definitely something to look at. So, which that leads me to, uh, you know, licensing, like, uh, tell me about group licensing and how that works. So, um, Group group licensing. If, if we want the college football game, we, we really need group licensing. So that's 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 how we get Madden, right? So yeah. the NFL Players Association has an agreement with all the players through you know through their group licensing, where they all say, okay, we'll we'll give our name, image, and likeness to be a part of this game, and then you know everybody gets a certain part, and they just all all, all agree to it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but that's because we you know the NFL is just so many teams and you have the players association and you're able to do that. Mm-hmm. How do you accomplish something like that on the um big college scale? You know, right. you have division one, division two, division three, and all of these different schools or different conferences. And um so it's 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 a little harder um in the context of, you know, the football game. Mm-hmm. But it is a concept that I think can help, you know, get get us back um that way for, you know, those who want who want the game to come back. Yep. So, um, how I, they, okay, go ahead. Go, no, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, how, so how were they able to do it previously? Because it was just because they didn't have any control over their name and likeness or? Right. So that's really kind of, that's, that's really what started all of this. So you okay. go back to 2009 with, with the Ed O'Bannon case. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ed O'Bannon, former UCLA basketball player, team played in the 90s. They won the NCAA championship. He saw himself as an avatar on, on the video game. Mm-hmm. And even though it didn't have his name, did not say Ed O'Bannon, the mm-hmm. player wore his number, the player was left-handed, the player was bald, was bald just like he was. Like, mm-hmm. everything about this player was clearly O'Bannon. Right. And, you know, when he thought about the fact that the NCAA and EA Sports sells his game for $60 a piece, right? you know, to everybody about it, and he gets nothing. Right. And so, you know, he sued the um, NCAA and EA Sports. And EA Sports settled. They settled. They were willing to keep making the game, but the NCAA did not settle. They took it all away and were not willing to make, make the game because, you know, they were not willing to allow players to make money right. their name and vision likeness. Right. So that's 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 how the game ended. And gotcha. Well shout out Ed O'Bannon. <laughs> shout out Ed. <laughs> shout out Ed O'Bannon. Uh, let's see. But uh no that's 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 definitely uh some some history on how that how that came about and um you know making sure that he is he's able to uh just start this process cuz I know everybody wants uh co- uh college football back uh March Madness I, I remember playing that as a, as a kid so I I think that's definitely something that that uh was important to to uh start that process because they should have been getting paid, right? Because just to be able to play a game, and all you did was just keep their keep their names off of it. But like you just said, their likeness and uh it, and their image is, is being is being utilized, and you're selling um, millions of copies of the game. Um, that's just you know totally unfair. So I de- I definitely hope that 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 is something that uh, that that changes and gets uh, gets handled uh, soon. Um and 
And so next uh, or, or lastly, I want to make sure I talk about contracts. Uh, I mentioned it a little earlier about, you know, these players that are, you know, are signing contracts and, um, you know, um, you know, having to maneuver some of that are, uh, you know, how do you, you know, what you have in the law office and, and um, you know, other other people, how do they how do they make sure that they are in uh, utilizing their best uh their, their advantage like do they just reach out to a law office like yourself like what is do they have a, uh, a lawyer on retainer what's the best way to go about maneuvering in this nil space yeah you can reach out to a lawyer um like 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 me or like i talked about earlier the um, schools with the clinics as, mm -hmm. as long as now we know as long as they're providing that opportunity to other students you know your your school may have that resource available um you know maybe even through you know if, if you have a um, agent it can try to help you put, connect you with someone who can mm -hmm. look, look at your contract for you and that's contract review is very important and when i talk about contracts um in this space i always bring up you know one thing that i think everybody should look out for is you don't want to do anything in perpetuity <laughs> in perpetuity means forever you don't want to give any rights away in, in perpetuity and another another concept that um you need to understand is just like we we talked about group licensing but mm -hmm. there's there's more to licensing so say you have that xyz brand that you built and someone wants to use it well another type of contract for you to be aware of is like a, a license contract where you'll give somebody um permission to to, to to use your brand for what they're trying to use it for and then that's a way that you can make money and then one thing to watch out for with licensing is that you want to look for the words exclusive versus non-exclusive mm -hmm. right you don't want to give anybody an exclusive right to do anything right. because you want to be able to give it to other people so you want yeah. to make sure that it says non-exclusive and then another thing that brings me back to trademarks and licensing and how this all goes together is you have to be careful with your school trademarks um, most schools are not just allowing you to freely use their trademarks if they are at all. Some some state laws, in fact, actually um, prohibit college athletes from from using their school trademarks in their NIL activities because you know the schools license out that, and that's and that's one way that that, that they make money. So right. You're going to want to um, look at that before you use your school trademarks or colors or anything anyway. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So perpetuity, make sure make sure anybody's listening, do not give out uh anything in perpetuity and do not give up your exclusivity as well because you don't want to be signing any contracts that are, are that are uh you know taking any of those rights away. Um are there any other gotchas that you that you uh think that that people should be aware of? Um with dealing with contracts. Yeah, I'm just for one thing, make sure you like read your contract, <laughs> you know, read the entire contract. And if you have questions, don't be afraid to ask, you know, yeah. and um, and if they don't want to answer, then that's probably not somebody that you should right. be doing business with. <laughs> right, right, right. No, and I definitely think that's uh, something that's key. I know you, you see a lot of these uh, these uh, platforms that are popping up that are bringing, you know, bringing these uh, the businesses. <laughs> 
and uh, and uh, um, they're making the platform where the where the athletes can uh, work with the businesses. I think that's one thing that they definitely need to uh, be able to somehow uh, monitor. But the people that are putting these contracts in front of these uh, athletes, um, I don't know if there's any type of liability or do they give up? Are they signing away their liability? They're just connecting the the athletes. Are they doing any due diligence uh, on these NIL marketplaces when they're when they're connecting these athletes? to these brands. So that's something that's very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a developing space, you know, so, you know, we're kind of just seeing it as, as it goes, but that definitely look at any contract, whether it's from a marketplace or from a collective or whatever, make sure you review it and make sure that it's favorable to you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And as we wrap up, I, I definitely want to um, say sometimes, cause I know you, uh, you have a lot of resources, you have a lot of, uh, of, of things that you offer. Uh, can you talk about some of those, uh, you know, things that you have, uh, services that you have? Um, yes, I run a website, www.theesquirecoach.com, which is a, a resource for any current or prospective college athlete or anybody working in that space. I keep up to date with, the um, schools that allow, I mean, the states that allow um, high school and NIL rights, um, try to keep up to date with the co- collectives and the different programs that schools have to assist each athlete with their NIL. And I, uh, I also have a um, social media audit template that you can download for free, and that gets you access to my newsletter. So the social media audit um, allows you to kind of take an audit of your social media and see how you can better use it because social media is a big player in this new right. NIL space. And then that also gives you access to my newsletter where I um, keep up, keep you up to date with the latest happenings in NIL and give you tips um, where I explain, you know, things about intellectual property or contracts a little bit, you know, um, yeah, we'll, and we'll definitely have uh, we have those links in in the uh, in the show notes and, and things of that nature. So we'll have those available for you all. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I'll let you le- le- uh, close us out and, and leave us with any any advi- final advice uh, to any NIL athletes that are out there. Yeah, my, my final advice would just be to get as much e- education and information as you can. Um, if you don't understand something, don't don't be afraid to ask. You know, ask your ask your schools, ask ask their compliance departments, and you know, just do a Google search. Look at and and for those who may not have chosen a school yet, you know, maybe a prospective college athlete, you know, do your research and see what programs the schools that you're looking at offer to help you navigate in uh, nil. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Cassandra, I really appreciate you coming on. This was very insightful and informational. Um, I learned a lot, so I definitely think that our listeners are going to learn a lot from you. Um, make sure that uh, you all make sure you follow her on on all social media platforms. Um, and like I said, uh, her, all her information will be in the show notes. And um, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So see y'all next week. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll, uh, follow us on Dream Big Sports, uh, Dream Big Fred at, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see y'all next week. Thanks.